Hey everyone, welcome back to another exciting and educating episode of What the Fuck Was I Thinking? I'm your host, Alex, and on today's episode, I'm joined by my guest, Lauren. She's a licensed mental health therapist in the state of Virginia. She and I will be discussing some helpful tips as well as our own personal experiences about mental health and using the dating apps, what we can avoid and what to look out for, as well as using our own past relationships to avoid making the same mistakes again. So hi, everyone. I want to thank Alex for having me on this podcast. I actually listened to an episode earlier today and I and I loved it. I, th- I think it's such a great topic to explore with the dating apps and mental health. So my name is Lauren. I am a licensed therapist in the state of Virginia. I work in a variety of settings. I work in a hospital setting and I also do outpatient therapy as well. Thank you for joining as well. Thank you for listening. So I'm going to start off with the first question I had for you. What are some of the common mental health challenges that people may face when on dating apps? Oh, so I, it's a variety of things, to be honest with you. I, I have people, both men and women, mainly women, who come into sessions. And one of the biggest things I hear is burnout. They actually start experiencing burnout as if it's almost like a job. They also feel depressed in some ways. I mean, maybe not full on depression, but it's getting there. So those are the two main things is just I would I say the main word is is burnout, because it can be exhausting. And as you talk about, it's a lot going on with this digital age. It really is. I just feel like sometimes scrolling through the apps is just like you say, a burnout. I'm mentally drained sometimes. And then I just feel like it's the repeatedness of the conversations you have with people and then having to introduce yourself and getting to know someone and then it just leading nowhere that does cause that bit of depression. You're like, am I ever going to find someone? Is this what it's always going to be like? Is this why we're still on here for so long? Right. Well, and just like some of those things you're saying, I hear a lot of clients say they start feeling anxious. Like, is this ever going to work? Am I ever? Yeah, you're right. All those um, statements, which we know, are factually not true, but they, but it's a rumination statement. Am I ever going to find anyone? And sometimes self-esteem issues arise. People thinking, women especially, thinking that they're not good enough. What am I doing wrong? Am I just not attractive? So I, I've seen a few of those things come up in, in sessions for people who have been on dating apps. I definitely see the self-esteem issues happening. I've heard from some women that, you know, Men, they make comments about their appearances, their weight and stuff like that. And even for men as well, some women say, oh, you don't have a good enough job or a nice enough car. And that does affect people by making them think that they're not good enough for anyone. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really interesting. I was talking to somebody about this the other day, a friend of mine about in one level, it's really kind of nice with the algorithms or whatever on dating apps, you have everything laid out. You want kids, you don't want kids, what kind of job you have, what kind of job don't you have? It doesn't really leave a lot of room for growth. Like, as say, like, say our parents meeting in high school back in the day, you know, it's, it's very much okay, like you were saying, what kind of car, what kind of job, income. And I'm not saying all those things aren't important to consider in relationships, but it's, it's so laid out. And there's not really that courtship, if you will. Yeah. I mean, 
meeting someone organically is really hard. You don't even like really get to know people. I feel like we're on an interview. Everybody's just interviewing each other at this point. And it makes it harder to actually get to know somebody and see if you like them when you're just at, okay, so what do you do for a living? Where do you live? Okay, <laughs> You know, things like that. And it just, I, I feel like that makes it a lot harder to develop um, feelings with someone emotionally because you're just wanting to get to the nitty gritty without actually, you know, getting to know that person on another right. level besides on an app. Right. Oh, I mean, I will say, I, I don't think necessarily looking at it as your first date as an interview is a bad thing. Cause I always tell clients go on a first date, look at it as an interview as opposed to an audition. Right. Yeah. You're not trying to sit there and obviously we all want to be our best selves and work and grow and all that. But if you go there, just over, overly trying to impress um, a lot of women will compromise their values and just, get into that people pleasing mindset of just, Oh, yeah. he's really cute. And I like him. So I can stretch this truth about myself a little bit. I say I want kids, but I really don't. So I have seen some of that, which can be an issue too. Yeah. I mean, I, I see it as an interview. I actually, um, I mean, I, I see where you're coming from saying that treat it as an interview, but then I feel like it mm -hmm. kind of takes away. I did go out one time and I even told the person, I was like, I feel like I'm on an interview right now because he was just asking questions and questions. And I'm like, I don't even feel like I'm on a date. I just feel like you're interviewing me for a potential job in the future or something. And it did make me feel a little uncomfortable. It yeah. just didn't lead to having that organic flow of conversation. He was just asking questions uh, and questions. And I'm like, okay, now I kind of just want right. to go home. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think some ways to bring that down a little bit is I definitely recommend day date to somewhere that you like to go. I think a lot of times we get caught up in this 1990s rom-com of dinner, movie, drinks. But yeah. really, I'll give an example. There's a lot of fall festivals going on now around us. It's, it's that time of year. Yeah. I kind of want to see how this person does in different environments and just outside and not necessarily in the evening when, you know, you're drinking and your emissions are lowered a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I, I think to solve that, it should leave some room for some creativity when it comes to dates. I know that's a big one with women that I've spoken to. They definitely want to be wined and dined. And this was like a topic of conversation on that Facebook page that I was on that women were like, oh, why don't men want to take us out to dinner and, and drinks anymore? I'm like, why don't we try it a different approach? Actually, like you said, go on a day date. I went out with lunch for someone and it actually was so much nicer than going out for dinner and drinks because like you said, your inhibitions are lowered. And you're just, you're not yourself when you're drinking. They're not themselves when they're drinking. Right. You know, depending on what kind of person you are, that may lead to just hooking up instead of developing a relationship with that person. Right. And I, and I love wining and dining too. I think that's a wonderful thing to do, but we have to figure out where we are. Well, both parts, but, um, I don't, well, not partners, but both people going on this date emotionally for sure, just where we are mentally and just. Again, how, how you met each other a few times. Have you gone on a short hike and it went really well? Then it's, oh, you know what? I think I'd like to have dinner with this person. So there's a yeah. lot of ways to navigate this. It's just figuring it out. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
<laughs> so I'm going to ask you another question. How can individuals sure. differentiate between healthy and unhealthy attachment patterns that may develop through the dating apps? That's a tricky one because it's, it's, it's very much a case by case basis. So when we look at unhealthy attachments, uh, we kind of go, well, if we're talking strictly on dating apps, right? We're going strictly into your red flag. So I'm assuming what we're just in the initial testing phase. Um, you know, the initial texting phase, I, I feel like is, you know, hey, how are you? Would you like to meet in person? The basics. A red flag for me is someone trauma dumping on you right off yeah. the bat, putting all their stuff out there. I was talking to somebody who was on an app and the guy seemed nice at first. But then he dumped all this stuff on her and made the comments, well, I just want to be open and honest so you know what you're getting yourself into. So be careful because someone with an anxious attachment and that caring people pleaser, which unfortunately some women have, they think, oh, wow, that's really nice. He's being vulnerable and, and out and open, which it's nice, but it's also not when it comes to first time dating. Yeah. So you know what I mean? So little stuff like that. And, and also just the intentions, making sure that everyone's intentions are pure. I think I heard on, on your episode the other day was, it, it's really irritating when people say in their, in their link, well, just looking for a long-term relationship, but the more you start talking, it feels like they just want a hookup, which if you want a hookup, fine. I, I'm not yeah. shaming anyone who just wants sexual relations, but the problem with this are the, are, are the mind games men and women play. Yeah, there's a lot of mind games. And I, I think that's what affects our mental health as well. Because then you think, sometimes I start thinking, I'm like, am I just like a sexual object to people? Like, is, is that once they see me, oh, she's a voluptuous looking woman. And then, you know, my whole personality of wanting to get to know me is all out the window and it just turns to sex. And like I said in my other episodes, sometimes I don't know if men or women too just use that saying they want a long-term relationship just to kind of lower your inhibitions and be like, okay, so this person's looking for what I'm looking. Is that just like a tactic that they use? Because to me at this point, I'm like, <laughs> that's a red flag now. I don't know what you, if you really want one or not. Absolutely. And I'm not trying to be a cynic here, but I am playing the therapist uh, into personality disorders. Uh, unfortunately, this social media age and the dating app they have become a playground for predators, unfortunately. And I, and I just watched a, a documentary, I think it was on A&E, about just dating app horrors. And it just seems like, now again, I don't know for sure, I don't know what the vetting process is with all these apps. It just seems like they don't do things like criminal background checks and whatnot. And uh, like what you were saying in your last episode, it's like, well, why not just go ahead and pay for a full-on matching service? Because they do have background checks, which, that's important. Yeah. I mean, it, it's smart to pay for the matching apps, but then I understand some people don't want to pay for it. Like I said before, paying for the apps itself, I didn't even see was worthy. So sometimes I'm like, so now on a matchmaking, me paying for a matchmaker, is that going to be worth it as well? I understand they do their vetting process. They check, do criminal background checks, but do they ask ex-girlfriends about their relationships or yeah. even friends what type of person this is? Because on paper, you can look really good, but then in real life, you can be completely different. Right. I would say that's just some things you have to watch yourself with. Um, 
just as the conversation progresses, even on a few dates, I call it the, the common denominator factor that I watch for. And what that is, um, let's say I'm on a date with this person and he says to me, well, every single person, every single woman I've been with has been crazy. So let's just analyze this. Have you just had a lot of bad luck, dude? Or what's, again, so what are you doing? What's, again, it's that common denominator thing. Now, I don't know. It, he could have had some bad luck with dating, <laughs> but it's still just something to watch the way they talk about their previous partner or their ex. I'm not saying it's a red flag, but it could be a potential one, I feel like. Yeah, it, it goes back with the whole trauma dumping. It's you insulting your ex. Whatever happened between you and them, I think is your guy's business. Don't bring it into this new relationship or whatever you're trying to build with me here. Because then that kind of makes me question about you constantly calling someone my crazy ex-girlfriend. Why was she crazy? Maybe you made her crazy. You're not taking any accountability for anything that went on in your relationship by you just saying she's a crazy person. And then will I be that next crazy woman in your life? I don't know. <laughs> right. Right. No, exactly. And that's the thing. Unfortunately, I talked about this in my last podcast episode that I recorded about the Peter Pan and Wendy syndrome. Unfortunately, a lot of women tend to suffer from something called Wendy syndrome aka codependent fixer syndrome is a lot of men well, and women too this is not necessarily gender specific but it just tends to be the other way they want that fixer and a lot of times when we hear stuff like well I'm just a damaged I'm a damaged guy and I just had bad luck unfortunately women tend to view that as oh well I'm going to be the one I'm going to be the one to show you true love and all that now while it's okay to be supportive of your partner but if you have a lot of issues you need to seek outside help for that and that's not fair to bring in the relationship in my opinion of having a partner yeah you, you definitely want to have a supportive partner to say like hey how was therapy today what do you need is there anything I can do but that's your own stuff that you have to work through it's not fair to put that on your partner to fix you now I want to touch on that whole Wendy Peter Pan syndrome that you were just talking about for us women, some of us suffer from the Wendy syndrome. Why do you feel that is that we're like that? Is it something that happened to us growing up? Or is it just because we're overly empathetic people? I think it's a combination of both. It could be a lot of things. It could just be you're overly empathetic, or you grew up really sensitive and just having that people pleasing mentality. And yeah, sometimes it is uh, based in trauma, but not always. Sometimes with trauma, you tend to overcompensate and just wanting to please and wanting to be that perfect person so yeah it's, it's definitely a combination of things for sure yeah because that's how I felt with my ex in my last relationship that he did have a lot of traits that he was like oh I need to fix myself in this and I always thought in my head you know what I can help you fix yourself I can mm -hmm. you know and I didn't realize me doing that was only damaging myself I feel like it opened up for him to be more manipulative towards me because he mm -hmm. saw I was so empathetic. And I mean, now going into the future, I have that in my head. Don't be so empathetic towards people anymore. <laughs> Just no, I mean, kind of be a bitch a little bit sometimes. A little bit. Hey, sometimes it's great. Sometimes we need to bring that. I think it's, it's okay if you have to be the villain sometimes. It's fine. But no, I, I definitely think that having empathy and being a good person, that's the core of who you are. And you don't want to give that up. However, I do feel like as 
people who are empathetic, they don't have good boundaries. And, and I include myself in this too. They, they don't have those boundaries of saying no and just let's say you're dating someone and they're going through some things. It's, instead of saying, I, I think we either need to have some space, you know, time to work on this. Do you need to see a therapist, all that? But no, it's, well, I'm going to fix you. We're going to do this. What would you say would be some signs to look out for someone who may have like that Peter Pan syndrome? Well, emotional immaturity is one of the main signs. Lack of communication and lack of responsibility. That's a big one. I would also just sort of look out for the kind of hobbies they have. Now, I'm not here to shame anyone who likes to go to bars and play poker or pool, anything like that. I mean, that's fun. But it kind of becomes an issue when that their main thing and they're very fixated on stuff like that like games and what childlike stuff like the lost boys basically have that but it's like okay well are we building something here or are we are we not because i I have no issue with people who want to have lifestyle and just want to be immature and play games and all that that's fine but then my thing is don't involve someone in a serious relationship then either it's just leading them down the wrong path Because that's definitely what happened with my ex. He was very immature. He liked to always constantly drink, which ended up leading to me constantly drinking and developing a bit of a drinking problem myself. Mm -hmm. Before I had met him, I would go out every once and have a drink or two. But then in that relationship, I noticed it was more based around us drinking and always wanting to have a good time. And I'm like, I kind of I'm tired of the drinking. I'm tired of having the good time. You know, I just want to have a nice night where we're not drinking and just actually enjoying each other's company. Absolutely. And that was a main thing for me and my ex too, which, you know, started me on this journey. A lot of times we were in a long distance thing for a while. So when we did meet up, yeah, we were having fun. But it, it actually, I had a revelation the other day that, wow, I actually came up with all the cool stuff we did, whether it was historical stuff, aquariums, museums, outdoor stuff. That was all my idea. If, if I, it was just left to him, we would be in a pool hall drinking and playing pool. And that's really all it was. And what led to, I think, our downfall was we had one evening where I just, yeah, I, w- I was being mean and passive aggressive. I was just so irritated because we were staying up late. We were with all of his friends playing pool till 5 a.m., but we had an event to go to the next day. So I'm like, well, this is really irritating. This, yeah, I, I want to be able to go to bed. And so, yeah, it, it's that kind of thing. It's not being mindful of that balance is, I think, the, the key characteristic of Peter Pan syndrome. I would definitely agree. He definitely suffers from that a bit because Mm -hmm. he would understand I have work the next day or I had something going on and still it'd be like, let's drink, let, you know, let's have a good time. And it would always just be us and my house instead of anytime we ever did go out anywhere. It was me planning those places, me saying, Hey, let's go here. Let's do this. Instead of just being in one place, sitting at home, drinking with each other. I'm like, let's be social. Let's go out. And anytime I did even invite him with my friends, he never wanted to hang out with any of me and my friends. The one time we did go out with one of my friends, we had a big, huge blowout argument because of something else my friend did. Not even anything I did, something she did. And it just, I was like, oh God. And then he's like, this is why I don't like to go out with you. This is why, you know, I'm like, okay. See, and that's (laughs) all just... 
that's that's all manipulation tactic unfortunately yeah no my my situation was the same thing but we were at friend's house when this this evening happened and we were staying with them but and he was saying well no you can go to bed whenever you want to I'm not responsible for my sleep and I was like I, I get that and I know that but I, it's just a principle because we had said before we went to this hey we have an event the next day are we going to try to get in bed at the reasonable hour and my feelings were hurt because in my mind I'm like well okay so you're going to be all tired and dragging and wanting to go home the next morning when we're with my friends but I have to keep pushing myself with Red Bull and other substances to, to keep this pool game going. <laughs> yeah. It's all about them. It was just, it was exhausting. I was starting to lose who I am as a person. I'm like, this is not me. I'm usually very responsible. I'm in bed at a reasonable hour. I'm not drinking all night, but every time I'm with you, all we're doing is up drinking all night, you know, and just, I, like I was losing myself. <laughs> yeah, me too. And there was, oh, same here. And even though when we were towards the end where we were, he, well, I thought he was trying to be quote unquote responsible. I would say, well, look, I have to go to bed and I have to get up early. And he was respectful of that sometimes. But when it came to, well, hey, I have a few days off now. I'd like to do something different. But, oh yeah, before that, he would have no problem with me staying up till 2 3 a.m when I have to be at my hospital job at 8 30 the next day I mean I use that experience now going back into the dating world if yes. I notice you're drinking too much I went out with yes. one person who he ordered three drinks two for himself and one for me and I'm like well this is not a good sign right away yeah. and he's like oh I can drink all night I can drink a drink I'm like Okay, but this is the first time I'm meeting you and you're pounding down two drinks for yeah, every one that, drink I have. That's a red flag. And that's another thing I would say in the dating apps too that I, I look for and I tell my clients look for too. If all their pictures involve, I don't know, pictures of beer, shots, it's like, okay, if you're 21, it's kind of an age appropriate thing. You know, you're, yeah. you're young, that's what you do. But if we're talking about what dating in our 30s, 40s, and that's still happening eh, we're, we're in red flag zone <laughs> yeah that that's what I see like I see you in a club and things like that and you're in your I just see it as another red flag um just screaming like alcoholic alcohol <laughs> mm -hmm. and and then when you think of it that way are you someone who's abusive as an alcoholic okay you may be fun sometimes but does that drinking lead to other issues that you have are there underlying things that this is why you are drinking so much, you know, mm -hmm. like, and then it, I, I just have so many questions now. So that's, I would say that's definitely something, a red flag to look at. I mean, again, if you're into partying and that's your thing, that's you. But if you are looking for something long-term, if I, if you see a lot of stuff like that, then yeah, kind of red flag category. If all your pictures are out drinking. Now it's different. If I see a picture of someone you're in Vegas, it's Vegas and it's not, and every day thing I, you know, as women, we have a full-time job, we have responsibilities. Do you know any green flags that you would share with someone? If you're on the dating apps, you would say, okay, that's something good to see on there. I don't really judge it a lot on pictures per se, but if we had to, I would say some green flag pictures are you at an event doing something like you say you like hiking or let's say you like camping or something like that cooking seeing pictures at like a cooking competition or 
hiking trip. That to me is like, okay, that shows me that you're actually doing those things as far as photos. Um, green flags as far as messages, I would say just being polite and authentic and not really get into a lot of stuff before you meet in person. I'm in that mindset of I would like to meet as soon as possible because I want to see, like you were saying, the vibe, the mannerisms, how you treat, and another thing for me, how you treat other people in like a restaurant. If you're rude to the wait staff, I automatically, I'm like, ooh, this is not good. So again, I think texting and calling is okay for a little bit, but eventually I think you have to to see how you are in person. That's going to be the biggest deciding factor. I prefer to meet sooner rather than later and drag things out because yeah, you can text and you can develop some type of relationship with someone like that. And then I don't want to meet you in person. And the way you are on text versus in person are two totally different people. In some aspects of dating now, we're not going to talk about how dangerous things were in the 90s, but I think we have to bring back some old school things. I think I really yeah. do. I think we need to, we have a date face to face, and then you see in all these rom-com movies back then, then you're on the phone for hours because you made a connection and you didn't want to stop talking and getting to know each other. So I don't know. I, it, it's weird. It, the digital age can be very helpful, but I think we're missing some stuff too from those old school days. I do feel like the movies, that whole Disney era and stuff like that has kind of given something that maybe doesn't exist and we do need to bring it back like that. You know, ask your parents how they met, how their first date went, just to get right. a better idea because it, it is completely different. You know, like my mom is like, oh, you're going to marry somebody, you meet somebody. I'm like, yeah, but it's not like how it was when you met my dad. You know, they, right. they they met outside, hanging out on the street at the street pump, having fun outside in the, I think it was like in the 80s when they met. And I'm like, yeah, we don't do that anymore, you know? No, and it, and it's so easy now because it's at the convenience in your home. So yeah, back then you had to actually go places and a lot of them were bars, but you could go I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know if there was a matchmaking service back in the day. I think there was something called speed dating I heard back in the day yeah. where just get togethers or socials or actually dance socials. A lot of things I heard um, was getting together for partner dance and that's how you meet people. You actually had to get out and be social to meet people. Yeah. And actually, I noticed I saw on my Facebook the other day, Bumble tried to do that down in the city where they okay. had like a social event. But nobody turned up. It was mostly women and, and a very few men. You know, I, I like the idea of them trying to do that, to bring it back to meeting somebody organically, because it is it's hard on the apps. It is it exhausting. Is. And it's just like sitting there sometimes and you're like, swipe, swipe, swipe. Yeah, it's almost like a I call it a Pavlov box. It's almost like you're trying to get a dopamine hit. Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And yeah, and that can actually... I think that one of the questions you asked me, like mental health, you definitely have to take a brain break from that because it does get really tiring. Yeah, it, it does. I mean, taking those breaks every now and then, these people aren't going anywhere. There's always going to be someone. You're always going to match with somebody. But then you have to give yourself that break. When I said before, when I paid for the app and I had over 3,000 likes, my brain just went boof exploded because yeah. I'm like oh my god now I have to swipe through 3,000 people to see who I'm going to match with not only having one or two conversations with people it's juggling multiple conversations with people 
you know, and seeing who I like best. How do I do we click? Okay, do we have this in common? I'm like, it's just my brain was going, you need to stop. Just turn it off. Delete the app for a little bit. Take a break. I prescribe that all the time to my patients and clients. You definitely need a digital detox. It, you know, who knew we would have had phones with us all day long back when we were kids. But now that you do, again, they're great for emergencies. But I think you kind of have to remind yourself, okay, I need to get outside today. I need to actually open a book. I need to watch something and just escape and just not be plugged in to all these people all the time. Because I think we all need that period of rest and recharge. Just putting it away, turning it off for a bit, go outside, get some fresh air, read a book, which is another thing I, I feel like a lot of people stopped reading books because they're on their phone. And even for me, I don't like reading a book from my phone because then I still have my notifications popping up and distracting yep. me from actually reading, you know? Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, and a lot of people do have books on, I guess it's Audible, but yeah, even if there's a way to just say, hey, silence notifications, just something so you don't have that reminder. And if you're listening to a book on the phone, you don't have to have the phone by you. I would say put it away and put like a speaker on and just lay there and just listen and just, just be still. And I think being able to sit in that stillness is really important for us just to get ourselves grounded and, and back to everything. I mean, because mental health, especially nowadays, is a huge topic, one that's not really discussed a lot. And this is an avenue I feel like we need to talk a lot more about. Because yes, you have mental health issues in regards to you being depressed about other things. But being on a dating app and dealing with certain people that you are, like I said before, somebody insulting you because of the way you look and things like that. I saw one woman who matched with this man and he even told her, I just matched with you so I can tell you that you look like a fat pig. And uh. It's such like a, a disregard and disrespect for strangers nowadays. There's no need to do that. We're not children anymore. That's still bullying people, you know, and that happens all the time on these apps is men and, and even women bullying each other. You gave me that little bit of false hope when you matched with me just to insult me. Yeah, and well, that's uh, that's psychopathic behavior right there. That's just yeah. that's not that's not normal. It really isn't. Honestly, I, I always feel like before you even venture into the dating app, like you know what I was telling you, I dipped my toe in for maybe just a few weeks. I don't know about two months ago, and I realized I, I'm not done with my healing journey. I'm still I'm just not ready. And that's another thing, too. If you've experienced significant trauma in relation, and I'm not saying you have to be completely healed and completely perfect before you start dating, and I'm not saying that, but you really have to sit with yourself and do that work before you get on those dating apps, I feel like, because that's going to require some resilience. If you've just come out of a traumatic situation and you see a message like that, that could cause you to spiral. Whereas if you're in a different place in your healing journey, you would see something like that and just think it's hilarious and report the person so you really just have to have that that self-love I know that sounds cliche but you really have to have that self-love and that secured attachment with yourself before going on these sites because if you go there with just hey I know who I am and I know what I want I think you'll find that it's I mean it's not easy to navigate but it gets 
it's a little easier than it would be if you haven't done that self-work and that self-reflection. Before I put myself back on dating apps, I really had to just kind of build myself back up, especially mm -hmm. from my last relationship, because in my mind as well, I was like, you know what? I'm never going to find anybody as good as him, even though he wasn't a good person. Right. But I, I still had to mentally fight with myself to get myself back into a better place, to open myself up to dating and saying, you know what, maybe I will meet someone. And sometimes I still, you know, it does lower my self-esteem thinking that, you know what, I'm not going to meet somebody or, you know, these men are just, all they want is sex, sex, sex. There's no real want for a relationship out of people anymore. I don't know if it's our generation, but a lot of people prefer to be single as opposed mm -hmm. to even being in a relationship. I, I'm at the point where I'm like, you know what? If I'm alone for the rest of my life, I think I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. No, I think a lot of people are getting to that. And especially women nowadays, because whereas before women started having rights and thoughts and ideas, it was you were always having to back a man and being married was the biggest goal in your life. They were like, oh, when, when are you going to get married? When are you going to have children? That was the biggest goal. Whereas now women are owning our own businesses, our career people. So yeah, it's rough out there. But in a way, I, I'm kind of glad it is because people are no longer settling anymore, which they shouldn't. Yeah, and, which I feel a lot of the times it happens to people, which is why relationships don't end up working out because you settle for someone. You know, and that's why, like you said before, you need to have your own self-love because if you don't, you're going to always settle for someone that makes you feel good, that helps you fill that void. Yes. And specifically, if you're in a very vulnerable state, unfortunately, personality types like narcissists are all and even psychopaths are on these apps and they swoop you right in with love bombing. And if you're vulnerable, it's a wonderful feeling that they're saying everything you want to hear. And unfortunately, that's where you get sucked in and, and chewed up and spit out eventually. That's what happened to me. I was with my kid's father for about eight years. And I had actually met this man, I think it was about three months after we had separated. So mm -hmm. I still wasn't fully healed from ending that aspect of my life. And here comes right. this person love bombing me. Oh, I'm mm -hmm. going to marry you. You're a perfect woman. And I kind of just was like in a daze. I felt under the influence of alcohol all the time. I was even more in a daze like, oh my God, we're going to get married. I was never the type of person in my life to say, oh my God, I want to marry someone. All of a sudden I'm like, oh, I'm going to marry this man. He's the love of my life. I hadn't even known him very long. And I'm saying that. Absolutely. And especially if you come out of a, an amicable relationship, but a relationship that where you didn't feel your needs were getting met. Mm -hmm. And then someone comes along. Oh, yeah, the love bombing feels good. I mean, just sexual attraction and just you're beautiful. And, and of course, they'll say things like, oh, how did your ex ever let you go? And da da da. Just yep. they very much put you on a pedestal so they can eventually knock you down. And that's and exactly that's... what my, that's what mine did as well. I was all the way up here went down, <laughs> slammed oh, me yeah. down. Oh, big time. Oh, yeah, I was all the way up there, too. He would, was always saying things, even in his messages. He's like, oh, I'm telling everybody, I just bought a plane ticket to see my super hot girlfriend. And, you know, that's flattering. But I look at that now and say, well, okay, I'm hot. So you say, but what do you, do you want to see me? Do you like my personality? Like, what is that? And so what happens is 
as soon as they see that you're not up on that pedestal, like God forbid you have some anxiety issues or you have communication issues because you are human and, and you're going to argue sometimes, then it's just, how dare you insult me? Now I'm going to slowly chip away at your pedestal until you fall. That's how that works. And that's what happened to me. <laughs> now with the whole love bombing, for you, what would you say is too soon to have somebody even tell you they love you? That's a tricky one because here's the thing, like what, it depends on what love means for each person, you know? Mm. So like for me, I would want to see that person in a variety of situations. How are you? Like, you know, let's, you know, you're a mom. How are you with my kids? How are you with your family? How are you with a stranger? How do you handle certain situations when, let's say, you're going on a trip and someone gets sick or something goes bad? Yeah, then you kind of see how you handle it. And I don't know, that's just a really, that's a really tricky one of when, when to say that. But I will say some big red flags too soon. You've been on two dates. Oh my God, you're the love of my life. Well, whoa, we don't know anything about each other yet. <laughs> I would see that as a red flag. And I like your advice is getting to see them in different situations is true because sometimes we've only been to a restaurant a couple times or we haven't really been in different situations. Like my ex told me he loved me before he even saw me with my kids, you know? So I'm like, how are you going to tell me I'm a good mom and you love me and this and that, but you've never even seen how I am with my children or anything. I've never even seen how you are with your own children. Right. You know? So I'm like, yeah. now I've learned a lot. And, you know, I want to give people these pointers and tips out there because I don't want this happening to another person the way it happened to me or it happened in your situation. Because the way I see it, it's happening far more often nowadays yeah, I've never heard time. of any of these love bombing, narcissists, what is gaslighting. I haven't heard what this was up until recently. So I right. realized, oh my God, this is what I was going through. Right. And I want to put my own personal story out there just to let people know because a lot of, and because in my situation, it was different because he was more, he would fall on that immature, covert narcissist spectrum. Was he abusive? No. Um, was he insulting? No, but it was very much still that manipulation and that immaturity just to chip away at your self-esteem. I put my story out there because I want people to know that, yeah, I, I'm a therapist. I'm supposed to have all the tools and I do, but this can happen to anyone if you're in that vulnerable state and you, and you don't have that self-love. And I love what you were saying that you started this podcast because it's just a lot of times you feel like you can't speak to anyone about it. Like some of your friends and family don't understand. They just say, oh, it's just a breakup. Well, no, I'm traumatized. I'm devastated. It's been six months and I'm still healing. And, you know, people who haven't been through it, they just say, well, why aren't you over it by now? But because it's so abrupt and the discard is so abrupt, yeah, it leaves you totally like what just happened. And because this person wasn't abusive and he presented himself as a nice guy to all the people around me, everyone was shocked. Like, oh my gosh, what happened? Did you do something, Lauren? Like, what, what just, you know, you don't really get that yeah. support. I've never had anyone that dealt with this situation quite like mine. And, you know, me coming out now with my experience and doing this, I have a lot of people that family and friends that are like I was in a narcissistic relationship myself a long time ago and I'm like wow I never I never knew about that and it's because we were always afraid to speak about it 
And I love the more that people are talking about it and coming forward with their experiences, I could kind of feel like weight lifted off their shoulders. Like, wow, I hadn't for years, I haven't spoken about this with anyone and being able to talk about it now with you hearing myself, because when you actually speak it and you hear all the trauma that you went through, you're like, what the, this is why I got the title. What the fuck was I thinking? Yeah. I love your title. Yeah. It's a perfect title. That's why I was just so drawn to you and your podcast. Yeah. It it, it takes a while. You have to take a step back because as you know, even with a norm, with a normal breakup, it's hard. You feel like a zombie after a normal one. So imagine how you feel after a narcissistic discard where you just get tossed like trash and you're like, what the fuck just happened? I mean, I went through all the stuff. I, I mean, I had to get on the antidepressant. I just wasn't eating well. I had to go through all of it. Yeah. That's why I'm like joining back in the dating apps. That's where I'm kind of starting off this podcast because that's where it all starts for us now. It starts with the dating apps. So being aware now of what to look out for and those red flags and getting to know people this way just kind of you know what to expect in the future with someone because these little personality traits do pop out here and there in the beginning I didn't notice them at first but now when I think back I'm like wow if I would have known all these little details I would have stopped myself before I got in it way too deep absolutely oh yeah when I was like you know because I have it's always good for a therapist to have their own therapist, just just FYI. <laughs> when I was talking with mine about this, and she asked me, what, and I had to ask myself this, like, what would you say one of the first early days of a, maybe not red, we'll call them yellow, yellow, orange flag, maybe not so blaring, like, what were some of them? And I said, oh, my God, I looked over the past six years, there were several he, he would say things joking around, but saying, oh, you know, I'm just a commitment phobe. <laughs> and now I know if someone says they're a commitment phobe, listen to them and run. Like, okay, well, run. But of course, that people pleaser, we, we kept the contacts. Yeah, there were a lot of things that I just chose to ignore. Well, that's what it is. You're like those horses with the blinders. You're only looking yeah. this way. You're not seeing everything else that's going on around you. And you're listening to it, but you're not really hearing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, and that's what I tell people to, to do if when they're going through this journey of leaving a relationship like this, just again, ask yourself once you're out of the shock and sorrow phase, I call it when you start, when you're starting to be able to think more clearly and rationally, start asking yourself, what was the first sign? Like, what was, when was the first time this person hurt you? Even though it was very subtle, what was the first time? And I knew exactly when that was. It was 2017 the first time he hurt me. And yeah, it all starts becoming more clear. It it does. And I mean, I'm taking notes for everything. And I'm like, every time I start talking to someone or I'll go out on a date, I just think back to, okay, this person did that. That's a red flag for me now. Like drinking a little too much on the first date. That's a huge red flag. Oh, yeah. Big time. That other guy ordered two drinks for himself. I should have just left right there. (laughs) I was like, I'm not that mean to get up right away. But sure enough, after a couple drinks, I was like, I got to go home. This is not going to lead anywhere. I just I think you're an alcoholic. And he would even like the whole day. 
oh, I can drink a lot. I can. I'm like, that's not something you want to promote. That's not something like you if, be proud of. <laughs> yeah, don't be proud of that. If you were trying to build a relationship with me, now in my head, I'm like, okay, so now I have to deal with an alcoholic. You want somebody to take care of you, or you just want someone to party with you all the time. And that's not me. I'm not doing that again with someone because right. it destroyed me physically, mentally. Yeah, same. Oh, no, for sure. Because I, and I, I saw this on a, on an Instagram post. His name is Lee Hamlick, I think. He's an, actually a diagnosed narcissist, and he's a self-aware. He's been in therapy for six years, and, and he posts all this really good, informative content as a narcissist himself. And he said something along the lines of, sometimes when you lay with a dirty dog, you get fleas. So, yeah, when you're with people like that, you pick up on some of these traits. Because, yeah, like I was doing some of the stuff he was doing just like drinking and just trying different substances and just he yep. was in a, a lawsuit situation and he asked for my help with oh how can we how can we get this guy and of course I go I get into it too like oh yeah well I love you so I'm gonna help you in any way just really yeah just really stuff parts of yourself that you don't like and it's just yeah never yeah. again no it, it you really I became, you know, like, I felt like I was a crazy woman sometimes. Oh, I was boasting about horrible stuff. <laughs> like, like, oh, well, I've got the skill set, baby. I can help you with this master manipulation. Like, who who, who am I? Like, who <laughs> yes. am I? I? I lost myself. Now, now again, I, it was so funny. We had talked about last, when we had this meeting about Disney princesses and just, I went through a phase where it's just like, I really hate them because they gave me a false hope about love and so now I want to be really strong characters and, and all that but again you, you have to go back to just who you were when you were the happiest and your most authentic self which is I think a, a mix between wanting that fairy tale and and having that but also recognizing that we don't want to have rose-colored love blinders on either which I think happens far too often with a lot of us that we just you know we want something so bad that not that we're settling, but we're ignoring a lot of things that we shouldn't be ignoring. Because it's not just us women, it's for men too. You know, mm -hmm. men ignore a lot of red flags in women. Yeah, And absolutely. then you hear all these men having to deal with these horrible women that use them and abuse them. You know, like I had one friend I was speaking to and he was telling me, he's like, every time I go out on a date, these women just want to go out for dinner they're taking pictures of their food I just want to genuinely get to know them and I'm like well you got to start men need to start learning red flags too if you they see do. a woman she's like you need to take me out to dinner and this and that say no sometimes you know same thing go out for lunch instead or go meet up for coffee there's nothing wrong with meeting up with, just for a half an hour just to get to know somebody before you decide if you want to continue on that yeah, just regular fun dates. I mean, because to me, wine and dine and something fancy, that's almost relationship material for me. Yeah. <laughs> that's, we're, yeah. okay, we're, we're kind of going somewhere here if we're whining and dining. <laughs> yeah, and we all need to be a little cautious because sometimes, all right, if a man wants to take me out to a dinner and wine and dine me, especially on the first date, I get that impression that you're going to think I owe you something at the end mm -hmm. of this date, you know, sexually wise. And that shouldn't be the case where we have to feel that we owe them that at the end. It's definitely gender neutral when it comes to looking for red flags for sure. Um, but again, we're just 
kind of speaking on just experience that it just seems to be happening to a lot of women. I don't hear a lot of men talking about this. I I would like if that's what's happening, but, um, but no, I I really just appreciate your podcast. And then when you told me about the Facebook page, that's amazing. I do appreciate it a lot because it did open up my eyes to that. Not only am I dealing with this, but hundreds, thousands of women are dealing with it. And it's not just, like I said, here in New York base, there's these pages for every city across the country. And I'm like, shit, this is not only a New York kind of thing. We're all dealing with this all over the place, even overseas. It's an epidemic. It really is. I mean, I'm very glad that things like narcissism and red flags and love bombing, all these terms are making their way out there via Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. But you have to understand, like with my situation, like the Peter Pan thing, emotionally immature and covert narcissists can cause just as much damage even though they're not necessarily abusive per se it it comes in all forms so you really just have to be careful and just know yourself and just know who you are and what your core values are yeah very important well I think that we pretty much covered all the questions (laughs) (laughs) okay awesome I, I really appreciate you having me and I love your podcast and I really appreciate that you're doing this I think you're going to provide a lot of healing for a lot of people thank you that's my goal with this this yeah. is my healing journey and I'm yep. meant to do it to help other people heal at the same time because we're all in yep. this world together it's a crazy world out there yeah and same here that's why I just keep asking to be a guest if again if my story can help someone then yeah yeah, the more we put it out the more we put ourselves out there I think the more people will hear it and the more people will be aware I want to thank you all for joining me and my guest Lauren on today's episode and I want you to remember listeners love might be taking on new forms but the core of it remains unchanged It's about understanding, empathy, and shared experiences. And always remember, if you or someone you know is struggling or in crisis, help is always available. You can call or text 988 or chat 988lifeline.org. To learn how to get support for mental health, drug, and alcohol issues, visit findsupport.gov. So until next week, listeners... If you liked this episode and would like to hear more, please like and follow. You can find me on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And also, remember, I want to hear from you, my amazing listeners. Again, I will include my email in the details. If you'd like to share your story or your experience, please feel free to reach out. I'm here to listen, and I'm here to help you share. Until next time, guys.